Hi, this is Vicki. I just wanted to check in quickly before we start the episode. I'm going to attempt once again to have DC co-host. If you don't know and if you haven't listened to the informational little snippet, I did say that I do have an adult child with autism. And although this podcast is not going to be about autism, I do like that he wants to participate. If you know anything about DC from my blog, takingstep.com, You'll know that DC is very much not interested in almost anything that is not Disney related. So when he does enjoy a TV show that is current or relatively current, it's a big deal. And he does really like Eureka. While I was watching this episode, DC came in and asked to watch. So I thought maybe this would be a good one for him to try. I don't know how it's going to work out until we do it. I think I'll probably talk about the episode and then maybe ask him questions that he might or might not answer. The the reason I started this podcast was because I love the show. And I guess I just wanted to do one thing that was fun for me that wasn't autism related. Oddly enough, there is a character with autism in the show. But that was not the reason why I loved the show from the minute it started. I love the show in its entirety, and it isn't about autism. But having a child with autism, you know, you can't help but make connections and discuss it when it comes up. And the fact that he loves the show is just beyond thrilling to me. So we're going to make our second attempt at this. Coincidentally, the first time I tried this with DC was the third episode of the first season. So here we are in the third episode of the second season. Maybe that's going to be a thing. So wish us luck. Hi, you're listening to... Yeah, it can't be good! A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka. Let's get started! Here's Doug with the iTunes synopsis. Season 2, Episode 3, Unpredictable. As Jack Carter plans a surprise party for Zoe's 16th birthday... His ex-wife and Zoe's mom, Dr. Abby Carter, strides into his office. She reminds Jack that they made a deal. Zoe could live with Jack for one year, after which she would return to live with Abby. Jack urges Abby to reconsider, confessing that he's never even told Zoe about this arrangement. Abby holds firm. A year has passed and she is determined to take Zoe home with her. Writing credits, Jamie Paglia, Andrew Cosby, and Thania St. John. Directed by Robert Lieberman. Original air date, July 24, 2007. Thank you, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki, and I'm here with my co-host, DC. Hi there. And we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 3, Unpredictable. Right? Yeah. So let's get going. In this episode, we're anticipating Zoe's 16th birthday. Mrs. Carter comes to town, and we have severe weather conditions all around Eureka. And it's odd that DC decided he wanted to watch this episode because, if you know him, changes in weather do not go over all that well with him. But he kind of thought it was funny, actually, so that's a good thing. Okay, DC, in this episode, it's Zoe's 16th birthday, and they're going to give her a surprise party. Right. So what do you like about parties? Great. What does DC like about parties? 2017. 2017? That's when you turned 27. You kept saying it was your 2017th birthday, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But what do you like about parties? What's your favorite thing about parties? Gifts. And anything else? 
Birthday cake. Yeah, what kinds? Frosty. What kind of frosting? Rose. Roses? I know, you like roses on your cake, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of cake? What flavor? Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. You like chocolate? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So what do you think there should be at a party? There should be cake. There should be gifts. What else? Dolls. You like dolls? Okay. You like dolls for gifts, right? Yeah. Okay. Should there be balloons, maybe? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Also, this episode is about weather. Crazy. Crazy weather. What kind of weather do you not like? Sun. You like the sun, right? Or you don't like the sun? I like the sun. What don't you like? Snow. I don't like snow either. I don't blame you. Anything else you don't like about weather? What about rain? Rain. What do you always say when it's raining? Thunder. You don't like thunder, I know. What do you always do when it thunders? The power's out. Yeah, you're always afraid of the power going out. What do you always do when it thunders? Stay safe. You're supposed to stay safe. What does DC do when it thunder and lightnings out? Go to the cellar. You like to go to the cellar, huh? Huh. And what do you do in the cellar? There's an iPod. You bring your iPod and do what? Sit in the chair. And watch. Watch. And watch. Lameth. <laughs> watch Labyrinth? Huh. When it's thunder and lightning, you like to watch Labyrinth? Yeah. Oh. But you like to watch it, don't you? Yeah. Even though it makes you nervous, yeah. you feel better when you're watching it. Yeah. So you make mom go down to the cellar with you, huh? Yeah. And we open the garage door. Yeah. And you watch the storm, right? Right. Okay. This is the first appearance of Zoe's best friend, Pilar. Dad! Hey, Sheriff. Oh, Pilar, just so you know, uh, Zoe already has plans for her birthday. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Bummer. Okay, enough mortification. Have a great day. And the first appearance of Abby Carter, Zoe's mother. When Jack drops Zoe off at school after discussing her 16th birthday, he runs into Kevin and Allison. Kevin has autism. 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 Right. Autism. Yes. And Kevin seems to be making a lot of progress. And Allison even says he's been different lately. But she seems concerned, and you may think that's odd. As a parent with a child with autism, when things change, even for the good, the first thing you do is worry. Something's going on. I mean, we want progress. We all want progress. But when it comes that quickly, you think there's some other issue going on. Not to get into too much, but the day before my son had his first seizure, he was very communicative talking in complete sentences, saying things that he wouldn't normally say. Not bad things. It was, they were good things. It was odd. And so now when he makes any type of progress, my first concern is he's ready to have a seizure. So I can understand her apprehension. She looks a little apprehensive about his progress and how he's been different. But anyway, Carter finally asks her for coffee, and you could tell by the way he asks her, she understood completely what he meant, that it was a date. Unfortunately, she had to go to a meeting and had to decline, but she did say, ask me again. So she left the door open, which was good progress. When Carter gets back to his office, Joe is waiting for him because it's been six months since he apparently told her that he would call Washington and see if he can get her some sort of promotion, even though there is really not any kind of uh, 
position between her and him. And of course, Carter being Carter hasn't done that. Joe is a little bit upset. In the meantime, the weather keeps changing and changing. What's happening with the weather? Crazy. It is, huh? Yeah. We wouldn't like that, would we? No. No. Power sound. Oh, we don't like that either, do we? The lights go out, and we hear a voice calling Jack. When the lights come back on, we see it's Abby, Jack's ex-wife, who's come to town for Zoe's 16th birthday. Who's that lady? Jack's mother. It's Zoe's mother, huh? Yeah. She's pretty? Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of pretty, huh? Yeah. Now, I like Abby well enough. I mean, she did come in and didn't tell him that she was coming to town. And then we find out that there was an agreement between Carter and Abby that Zoe was only going to stay in Eureka for a year. Not only was she coming for her 16th birthday, but she was coming to bring her home. And nobody's told Zoe this. Now, Abby seems totally surprised and disgusted with Jack that he has not mentioned this agreement to Zoe in the year that she's been there with him. But are we to assume that she hasn't talked to her mother in an entire year? I'm sure she's talked to her. And this subject never came up. Abby seems to think that Jack had already told her, so why would the subject never come up if Zoe and Abby were talking throughout this year? It's just odd. It's odd the blame is all on him for not telling her about this when we have to assume that she's spoken to her mother more than once in the last year. Carter and Abby stop in at Cafe Diem where Vincent is very impressed with Abby for her knowledge of his cuisine as opposed to Jack asking for ketchup. My special double yolk quail egg omelet with Estonian caviar and basil grafted from an Italian monastery. Thanks, Vincent. Oh my god, is that truffle oil? Yes. Mm. Finally, a refined palate. The, the last time I served it to him, he asked for ketchup. On the house. Oh. Except for the muffin. Do you know who that is? His name in this show is Vincent. Vincent. But you know him from another show that you watch. Yeah. That you like. Yeah. Do you know who he is? Yeah. From once upon he was on Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Do you know who he was? Do you remember? Mr. Smee. He was Mr. Smee on Once Upon a Time. Isn't that cool? You like Mr. Smee? Yeah. You like Once Upon a Time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also run into Allison and Nathan. And Allison is a little jealous. There's no hiding that fact. Allison's a little jealous. And Abby mentioned something about Zoe's party and how her and Carter won a Macarena contest, which was not the thing to say in front of Nathan. That's just more fuel for his fire. Wow, all these doctors. You're a nightmare, Jack. He used to hate it when I dragged him around to my alumni functions. He called it death by dull. He is very clever. <laughs> so, uh, will you be staying at the house? No. Uh, yes. We're doing the uh, setting her up at Beverly's. Well, um, then I guess I'll see you at Zoe's party. I uh, hear they'll be dancing. Oh, Jack and I won a Macarena contest in Cabo once. You remember that, Jack? I can't wait for the party. 
all through the afternoon, there's all these crazy changing weather conditions. And Abby and Carter are trying to discuss the whole Zoe situation, but there's all this craziness going on. And she's getting mad at him. And I understand that he was probably not available in the marriage and his job always came first. But she's there witnessing all these weather changes that are not just it's sunny and it's raining now. We have hail, we have lightning, we have power outages. It's snowing at Beverly's. I mean, give him a break. You have to imagine something's going on and he needs to tend to it. So Abby goes to pick Zoe up at school and she doesn't say anything to her as Carter requested. But of course, Carter jumps in and assumes that she told her and they have an argument in front of the house. Hi, Jack. Hi, Dad. Hi. Um, what are you doing? I asked you to wait. Has she, has she spoken to you? What? You told her. Oh, this God, is so like you. You're just tearing you. Whatever's just good for you. But you know what? I'm looking at the bad guy just because you want to come here and take away my kid. What are you talking about? And Zoe finds out that she's supposed to be going back to L.A. with her mother. And she's not happy. But, again, she's not happy with Carter for not telling her. And I don't really understand why it's all on Carter for telling her. She's had to have talked to her mother over the past year. Another huge storm starts, and they get inside, and Abby's a little freaked out by Sarah. It's kind of funny that Sarah is a little, uh, catty. That would be a severe dust storm precipitated by unstable pressure systems. What the hell was that? That that was, uh, uh, the house. Abby. House, house, Abby. This is that, Abby? Your house talks to you? Yeah. Yeah, a little catty with Abby. You're much shorter than I pictured, Abby. And she's treating her like, you know, the new girlfriend meets the ex-girlfriend. She's a little bit catty about the whole thing. Earlier in the episode, when Joe Carter and Abby were in, still at the sheriff's office, Joe got a call for an incident at the spa, a spa that Carter never knew existed. And we didn't know what the call was, but Joe took it herself because Carter was dealing with Abby. So Joe was kind of excited to have her own case. Carter, while he's still at home, remembers that Sarah gave them an outlandish weather forecast for the day. And at the time, Carter thought there was a glitch in her system, but realizes now that all the weather that she predicted happened. So he asked Sarah where she got her information from, and Sarah said, from Pete Pullman, the weatherman. You said that we were in for some freaky weather today. How'd you know that? I received weather updates every quarter hour from the Eureka Channel. From the weather guy? Mr. Pullman prefers meteorologists. He's a little sensitive about it. Okay, I gotta talk to him. What's happening with all this weather? Is that the weather forecast on TV? Crazy. Yeah, but are they watching the weather on the news? See, there's the weatherman, and he's projecting all this crazy weather. Are we allowed to watch the weather in our house, DC? No. You say no weather. You don't no like weather. The, right. You don't like to watch the weather because you get nervous, huh? Yeah. You think if if we watch the weather we're gonna get a storm? So Carter brings Abby to Beverly's and on the way to Beverly's, Joe calls and he tells him that she's found a frozen man in the hot springs at the spa. They call Henry, they go over there, and there is a frozen solid man in the hot springs oh my goodness freezing wow what happened to him freeze he's frozen huh how does that happen they don't know who he is joe taps him with a pen and of course he falls over and breaks into a million pieces fall down bro oh my goodness he broke now what are they gonna do 
So now they have to determine who he is. He's broken in a million pieces. So Carter tells her to find a finger to get a print. Okay. Which piece do we start with? I still think these nuclear hot tubs are safe. You know, temperatures would have had to have dropped to minus 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Like that. Yeah, but you see what happens when they change the natural order of things? I mean, everything's under control, and then somebody throws a wrench in something that's working perfectly fine for her own selfish reasons, and then your life is shattered, and she's blaming you. What? Are we still talking about the reactor? Yeah. What? Okay, so how are we going to get an ID now? I just look for a finger. Mm. Joe finds what she hopes is a finger. How about a, a thumb? You sure that's a thumb? Not only if it has a print... Baxter, Neil, GD employee number 185627. It's a thumb. They are able to get a print. It is a finger. And they find the name of the frozen man. Joe and Carter pretty much at the same time find out that Neil Baxter was having an affair with Wendy Whittakus. And that her husband, Dr. Stephen Whittakus, owns a cabin out in the woods. Joe goes to the Whittakus' house to investigate, and Carter takes Abby to the cabin, where they encounter more weather, lightning and pouring rain and wind. Joe discovers that Dr. Whittakus works with weather. He's doing a weather experiment in his cellar. And Carter and Abby find this weather machine next to the cabin. Carter brings Abby home, and he goes to the Whittakus' house with Joe, and they try to arrest him for the murder of Neil Baxter. And come to find out, there was some sort of accident, and he cannot see. He wears special glasses, and they have to keep the house lit specially, and he can't go outside because of the light. So he could not possibly have done this. We also find out that he is well aware of his wife's affair with Neil Baxter, and he's okay with it. I don't know what it is about this accident or about this guy, but he he says, why would I kill the only person who makes my wife happy? Uh, This weather machine was one of his experiments, and that's how he injured himself. The weather machine malfunctioned. The weatherman was on the installation crew of this weather machine before they abandoned the project. Carter and Allison go back to visit the weatherman, at the station and confront him about this weather machine and Carter kind of figures out because he's heard a few times already that he's a little bit touchy about being called a weatherman. He's a meteorologist and that he was always looking for glory. Carter kind of puts together that the weatherman wanted to get rid of this weather machine because if you can create weather, then you wouldn't need a weatherman. And he also wanted the glory of predicting these weather events that were happening. Dr. Whittakus goes to GD to help Allison try to fix this uh, problem with the weather because it's only going to get worse. Dr. Whittaker says that tropical currents can counteract the weather patterns. So they go to GD to heat up the pipes that run underneath all the cabins, and Carter has to go to the dish to manually aim the weather machine at Lake Archimedes because if they could heat up the lake that will dissipate into the air and stop these weather patterns. 
Carter, of course, has to go through, a, you know, windstorm, monsoon to get to this disc, but he does it. He aims at it at the lake, it hits. All the steam comes up and stops these weather patterns from happening. To, just to go back, listening to Henry translate for Carter when uh, Dr. Whittakus was explaining th- this weather machine. It is an incredibly dangerous confluence of meteorological events. Uh, a perfect storm. Thank you. A spinning cyclone of instability high up in the cryosphere. Ice funnel of death. Gotcha. Why don't you be able to say ice funnel of death? That was kind of funny, how Henry always has to translate, and now he doesn't even really wait for Carter to ask. He just translates for him immediately. The other things that were going on in this episode, other than the weather, Henry is in therapy with Beverly, and he's trying to get approved to work at GD again in Kim's lab. Allison gets an an anonymous email about KB201, And she opens it, and it's all information about Kevin. It says the file was opened in 2001, and this is supposed to be about 2006, 2007. You don't get to see the whole report, but the report was signed by Nathan Stark, and it does say that Kevin has a connection to the artifact. So why in 2001 did they know that, or did they know that in 2001? Is it possible that this report that she's seeing that's signed by Nathan is a recent addition to the file that was opened in 2001? I'm wondering why there was a file opened in 2001. Did they know he was connected to the artifact in 2001? And I think I had this discussion the first uh, episode of the season with Skip. So did Nathan know way back then that Kevin was connected to the artifact? And if not, why do they have a file on Kevin? In the report that Nathan wrote, it does say he has a connection to the artifact. We don't know if this was a more recent report that he wrote. It says the file was opened in 2001, and maybe this report was written by Nathan recently because of his contact with the artifact. So Allison decides that she's going to override Beverly, and she is going to give Henry the approval to come back to work. I think maybe in another few weeks. I'm afraid I can't wait that long. Henry's in a fragile state of mind, Allison. He's not ready. I'd like to help you out, but I have to put him first. I'm afraid in good conscience I can't sign off on this. All right, then I'll do it myself. Now, this is not the first time that Allison will do something like that for her own benefit or for personal reasons. I understand Kevin is her child. I get it. She wants to know what's going on with the artifact and Kevin. I get that totally. But she also is now compromising the safety of global dynamics because Henry is supposed to be in therapy to make sure that he is of sound mind. He just lost Kim to be working in GD and especially to be working in Kim's lab. So she's compromising the safety of GD for her own personal gain, not gain, but her own personal issues. Of course, Beverly, we find out later, is really dragging out the the approval program. So we don't know who's right and who's wrong, and if Henry is of sound mind, but Beverly seems to be dragging it out for her own purposes. As soon as Allison tells her that she's overriding her decision and she's letting Henry come back to work... Beverly leaves town, and the only thing she leaves is that little disc 
that we saw her either placing or removing from Kim's lab before the accident. So pretty much Allison's using Henry for her own purposes, and Beverly was stalling Henry for her own purposes, and Henry, as we know himself, has an agenda. Allison confronts Nathan about the email she received, and Nathan says that he wanted to tell her, but he's trying to protect Kevin because there is a connection to the artifact. Before they can get any farther into the discussion, another weather pattern hits, and they have to get into the car, And somehow Kevin's screaming about the storm that was outside the car actually stopped that weather pattern in that moment. Later on in the episode, Allison tells Nathan that she's traced the origin of the email and she knows it came from him. So he's telling her that he wanted her to know Kevin is connected to the artifact and we have to protect him. Now, if he really wanted her to know, he could have just told her. He didn't have to go through the anonymous email to make it look like somebody was framing him only to have her find out it was him sending the email to protect Kevin. Back in the old days when I watched these episodes a hundred times, I would have said, oh, again, isn't that nice of Nathan? He's trying to protect Kevin. But watching it the way I've been watching it for the podcast, and like I've said in a couple of episodes already, I don't know if I believe that anymore. He's had a file on Kevin since 2001. There is something up with this guy. And I do not believe for a minute that if he did not want her to know that he sent the email, that he could not have masked it so she couldn't trace it. He did it that way because he knew she would try to trace it, and she, he knew that she would be able to. And it makes him look like a great guy again. Like I said, my opinion of Nathan has changed a little bit while doing this podcast. We're ending the episode with Zoe and Pilar walking down the street towards Cafe Diem, and Zoe telling Pilar she's still very upset with her parents and that her father lied to her. Pilar says to her, well, sometimes there's reasons to lie. And as they walk into Cafe Diem, there's the big surprise party for Zoe that Carter plans. Surprise! And all of the towns there. She was surprised? Yeah. Your 16th birthday was a very long time ago, huh? Yeah. How old are you now? 16. How old is DC now? 28. Almost. 20. 20. 9. 7. 7. Almost 28. That's a nice party, huh? Yeah. There was one part at the end where Carter's standing in the middle of the party, and he looks over at Zoe and her mother, knowing that her mother's going to take Zoe away from him. And then he looks over at Allison, who's there with Nathan, because, of course... She gets mad at Nathan, and then he does something to con her into thinking that he's a nice guy. So they seem to be happily together again. I felt terrible. It's almost like he felt like there's no reason for him to be there anymore. There's nothing for him there. Zoe's going to be leaving him, and now he's lost Allison again. So that's pretty much the end of the episode. We'll be back next week for episode four. And we'll see you next week. Say goodbye, DC. Goodbye now. See you later. See you later. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Okay, Mom, tell us what's next. Join us next time for Season 2, Episode 4, Games People Play. Bye.
Bye now. How did mom do? Good. Thank you. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.